Welcome to Charged Up Studio Live, where small business owners get charged up for success. Are you a small business owner? Do you find yourself struggling through the many responsibilities that come with the title entrepreneur? Well, we're here for you. Charged Up Studio is hosted by Marketatomy LLC, your prescription for what we call OPA. What is OPA? It's when you become so overwhelmed with the confusion that comes with business ownership that you become paralyzed and ultimately avoid doing anything in hopes it will take care of itself or you put it off till later. Does that sound familiar? I'm your host, Dan Olivo, and each week we bring a business professional eager to charge you up as they talk about the many things that keep you from moving forward with your small business. So are you ready to get charged up for success? Let's hit it. So good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners, and welcome to another episode designed to introduce you to the resources and hacks you need to help scale up your small business. One of the areas I'm really excited to bring to your uh, to my audience today is the, um, uh, the subject matter of product manufacturing. I've had several cu- customers come to me. They've got a new product or a recipe or a family recipe that they want to take to the market. And luckily, I met this gentleman, and I can't remember how I met him, but we'll get into that. Um, I met Glenn through one of the podcasting platforms and got to talking to him. And I said, okay, this is what I need on the podcast. So before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Glenn here. He has over 30 years experience in the CPG industry through a diverse mix of roles that have led his journey to becoming a successful entrepreneur. We'll have to ask him what CPG is when I get him online here. So Glenn began his career at four of the top CBG companies in the world in various positions such as sales, marketing, and finance. He's continuing work. His continuing work has made him an award-winning entrepreneur with successful brands on retail shelves all throughout the United States. As the current president of Red Chocolate here in the U.S., Glenn's goal is to spread his entrepreneurial knowledge so that as many people as possible have the opportunity to thrive in their passion. So I'm really excited about this topic. Let's go ahead and give a warm welcome to Glenn Gardone. Hello, Glenn. Hello there. Thank you for having me on it. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to a good conversation. No, I'm really glad to have you. You know, it's it's not often that you get a product manufacturer with as much experience as you have in um, in delivering a product to market, whether it be the United States, the worldwide, whatever. Right now with Red Chocolate, this is a global product. So this is going to be an inter- interesting um, discussion as well. So first of yeah. all, um, let me just say that we met each other through pod match right mm-hmm. that's pod correct match. that is a platform that i use quite often to find a lot of my 
um, opportunities to speak, but also to have guests. And I'm really excited to have Glenn on. And the other thing is, is let's talk about what you call the CPG industry. What does that CPG stand for? So the acronym CPG simply means consumer packaged goods. So if you think about it, when you walk into any retail store across the country, across the globe, you know, all those products that you see on the shelves, those are packaged goods. And so my experience, expertise, whatever you want to call it, just means I'm old. Like you said, 30 years I've been doing it. Uh, I've just gotten the opportunity to launch uh, several hundred brands throughout my career, throughout the U.S. and all across the globe. No, that's that's really interesting. Like I said, I've had a you know, two or three clients who have, who have uh, worked with me to get their products out in the market. You know, um, uh, two of them were strictly um, boutique type products and they wanted to introduce them through Amazon. And then the other one was a um, hot sauce manufacturer and they wanted to actually get into the big box store. So, you sure. know, CPG, all of that is new terminology to me and I need to learn it as much as all of my audience does. So let's talk CPG, consumer product. Packaging. Consumer packaged goods. Consumer, consumer packaged, goods. packaged goods. Let's talk about that. What was the first product that you worked with moving forward? Well, uh, my first role was actually in Coca-Cola. So okay. I, I was part of the, uh, part of the team that, uh, that was, uh, involved in the whole, uh, new Coke and, uh, old Coke debacle, as they like to say, but I was gonna uh, say, was that was a debacle. That's right. Mastery at work, as I like to call it. And what you, what, it, what happens at times, and I've seen it often in my career, uh, People think they're smarter than consumers, I guess the best way, you know, we'll think for you kind of thing. And uh, that never wins. And so, you know, most of my career has been on the side of trying to defend the consumer, so to speak, and say, okay, let, let's not think we're smarter than other people. I, I tell people all the time, I am not the smartest guy at the table. And that's the way I like it. I like to surround myself with much smarter people uh, and uh, take that collective brain that collective expertise and then you'll uh you'll knock it out of the park with that so that's uh my my first job again coca-cola then uh pepsi uh mex kellogg and probably the last i'd say 15 years or so is for lack of a better phrase been on the private equity side where you you know either start up or very small growing it to a certain point and then actually selling it to a much larger organization who could do a whole bunch more than we ever possibly could. Very interesting. You know, there's um, a famous saying that one of my guests brought says, nobody is smarter than everybody. <laughs> and when you think yeah. about it, the, the, the mastermind of minds is what brings products to market. It's not one person or two people who turn around and say, oh, I've got this great idea. Let's take it to market. You know, um, as a marketer Absolutely. and strategist, as a marketer and strategist, we always tell our clients, you know, you've got to put yourself in your customer's shoes. You know, Absolutely. it's not about you. It's about what they want. And new coke was not what they wanted. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's it's that's probably one of the biggest um, uh oh moments for entrepreneurs that I've uh that I've been involved with. When entrepreneurs uh, you know, they'll they'll bury their idea into the ground 
because they think people don't get it. And the problem is people get it. It's them, the entrepreneur that doesn't get it, you know? And so, you know, whatever, you know, you decide to launch, whether it's a consumer packaged good, whether you're opening a retail store, a consultant, you know, the whole idea is what is your reason for being? And that is always the first question that I ask is what is your reason for being? And so as long as you can answer that, answer it truthfully, succinctly, you know, it can't take you 45 minutes to explain what your reason for being is, because then you really don't have a reason for being. So, you know, as long as you could take that first step, then the process after that gets really exciting. And, you know, unfortunately for me, I've had a few bosses in my career who thought they were the smartest people in the world. And uh, that's always a difficult situation, but uh, you work through it and you continue to grow and uh, be as successful as you possibly can be. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. So let's talk a little bit about the manufacturing side of product development, first of all, because Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the money is, That's where a lot of your expenses go in before you even make it into the big box stores or Amazon or whatever, you know, you've Mm -hmm. got to, you've got to develop a prototype, you, you know, all of this, you know, test it out in the market and everything. So let's talk a little bit about that process and what, as a business owner who's looking to introduce a new product into the market, what should they be thinking about? So what what I would say is if you've got uh, an idea, so to speak, you mentioned earlier, let's say it's a family recipe of some type of product. The first thing you want to do is you want to see, is there a category, so to speak, like, uh, again, being red chocolate, we're in the confectionery category. Uh, so you can understand the the size of the category, the needs from the consumer. So the idea is that, you know, do you fit in some specific category? And then based on that, what is going on within that category? Can you be a quote unquote category disruptor? You know, th- the worst thing you could do is you could, uh, you know, have a, and I'll use the hot sauce, as you had mentioned earlier, that it's yeah. a hot sauce and it just happens to be a little bit hotter than the rest. And that's not a reason for being because somebody can easily knock it off. Um, and you, what you're doing when you go into a uh, a retailer, big box store, any of them, you know, different, uh, uh, different uh, retailers we have here in the U.S., the first question you have to answer for them very simply is, how are you helping me grow my category? They don't want to hear from you, well, I'm not going to grow your category. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take what you're selling, and I'm just going to take my little slice of the pizza, so to speak, but I'm going to be rich, and you're still going to be selling the same amount as you did. You're just going to have to deal with one more person. So you really have to understand the category you're going into, understand the size of the category, understand the players within the category. And then you start to understand from there with those numbers, the steps you need to take. Because again, going back to the hot sauce idea, you know, you could say, oh, I could do this great hot sauce and it can end up being $28 a bottle. And, you know, the average hot sauce is $4 a bottle. And so if there's going to be a difference in price of that much, again, you better have a really good reason for being. What is the reason that the consumer is going to pull you off the shelf? So I say, you know, small steps, do the diligence before you spend a nickel on prototypes and you start running, you know, headfirst into that wall, understand 
what your goal is. And as you said, you know, if you're trying to just get on Amazon and that's how you want to do it, understanding the the costs associated with working with Amazon, understanding the size that you can get to, you know, the there are parameters within the Amazon system, you know, from summer shipping and so on and so forth, or fulfilled by Amazon, fulfilled by merchant. There's a whole bunch of things. So do the diligence and make sure that you understand what it is you're walking into. Because the worst thing you could do is go buy, you know, go work with a, um, you know, a third party and have them design and craft your prototype just to find out that there's no chance for you to do it. Or you're not really a category disruptor. You know, way back when I was part of a team that uh, launched a hummus here in the United States, and that was back in early 2000. And it's funny, we we actually sold that business to Nestle. But uh, I remember sitting there and we back then for hummus, we had about it wasn't even 20 percent household penetration, which really means that if I lined up 10 average Americans, eight of them had never heard hummus, didn't know what hummus was, right. never tried hummus. So you look at it and you say, OK, what is the reason for that to happen? We looked at it and said, you know what? It hasn't happened because people haven't been introduced properly into the usage. You know, if you remember 25 years ago, you know, there was more ketchup on the shelf than there was salsa. Well, yeah. take a look today. There's 27 salsas and three ketchups nationwide. So, yeah. you know, the idea being that you try to have a little foresight and understanding what the consumer is looking for. Right. And right. So those are the steps that you would take before you even walk into the prototype discussion. Exactly. Before you start, you know, and and um, if it's if it's a, a food product or something like that, don't go just on what family members say, you know, mm. take, take samples, do focus groups, do whatever you can to get a true feel for whether, first of all, whether it's wanted, people want mm -hmm. it. And secondly, what would they be willing to spend for it? That's because exactly. You want to make sure you know that your that your profit margins and everything are going to be met, and at what price point? You That's know, exactly right. Right. You know, exactly. It, it's funny you mentioned about family. I call it all being on the same same payroll. You know, when we brought uh, Red here to the U.S. three years ago, you know, while we're sitting around the table, again, understanding our reason for being, building our selling story, building all the different pieces when we talk to the consumer, of course, everybody was in agreement. We all decided what we were going to say. You know, yeah. until you actually talk to that first person who isn't on the payroll, that's when you start to get the real message. That's when you start to get the real answers that you're looking for. And I don't care how often you tell a family member, no, tell me the truth there's a part of this is i don't want to i don't want to break their heart i know this is what they want to do yeah this is okay sure i'd spend ten dollars and i always tell people if that's the case go here's a bottle give me ten dollars and if they hum and a haw and they're not really sure then they don't really want to spend ten dollars yeah. on that bottle yeah no that's true that's true in in my industry especially in the investment side of things we say that there's three f's friends family and fools <laughs> okay. So, and that can go in the, you know, in the product development side too, you know, when you're, when you're doing your research. So, um, you know, when getting back to the hot sauce now, when I was working with this client, you know, hot sauce is a very wide market, very saturated mm -hmm. market. And mm -hmm. so therefore, you know, I agree, you know, you have to come up with where is that value? Because their price point was coming in just a little bit higher 
than the mm -hmm. average price for hot sauce. But what they did was they had eight different fruit infused hot sauces. Mm -hmm. So you had coconut, you had different kinds of hot sauces, which made it that did create some value there. But at mm -hmm. the same time, creating eight different variations did get to be expensive. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it trying to launch, you know, you got to figure it's roughly if you wanted to be on every grocery retail shelf in the United States for every skew. In other words, you had eight flavors. That's eight skews, yeah. you know, stock keeping unit. They call it. That's a skew. It's yeah. that little UPC on the back of uh, every package. Um, it'll cost you about a million dollars to be yeah. in. 30 to 40,000 store doors across the country. So again, and that investment comes before you sell your first case. So, you know, it's really important to understand and, you know, hot, well, again, we'll, we keep beating the, the hot sauce, but keeping with the hot sauce, there are certain parts of the country that love hot sauce. And there are other parts of the country that would be just, just as happy with a little bit of salt and pepper, you know? So you have to, again, understand that and where your market is. Uh, yeah. Because when you look at it, like a hot sauce where it is saturated, uh, how do you get out in front? How do you get your message out there? You know, the days of, uh, you know, I pre-COVID, very simply, there was what we would call the quote-unquote shopping experience. You saw in all your, you know, grocery retail, how would they differentiate themselves from, you know, the big, massive national retailers, or even, you know, they, you know, you'd have a retailer on every corner. So what makes you, the consumer, want to go to that retailer? And that was the shopping experience. Well, you think now, the shopping experience has been cut 75% because, you know, you can go to a retailer now and pre-COVID, there may have been one, maybe two parking spaces. That would be that, you know, curbside pickup or delivery. Now you look and there's 10 spaces. And that right. tells you that a lot of people aren't walking in that store. So therefore, how do you get your message to that person? It's not going to be put it on the shelf and they will come. There aren't too many people that can be that lucky and successful. And especially right now when most people are going online, and doing their due diligence of research online mm -hmm. first before they buy in the store. Okay, so not only are you fighting to get into the big box stores, if that's what you desire to do, but you also have to be available online so that people can get to you and do Absolutely. their research. Yes. Absolutely. You know, uh, for, for Red, what we did was, again, we're in about probably close to 15,000 store doors at this point across the country where the number one chocolate sold on the home shopping network. You know, we've got these different pieces, but again, we do quite a bit within social media, you know, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, you know, all the different pieces, uh, Twitter. And we use that not only to let people know what we're about, you know, not only we're not a transactional company, we use it not to try to sell you a chocolate bar, so to speak. Our, our whole goal here is to tell you what our reason for being is and to continually tell you because we continue to grow as an organization, the people inside that organization. And so what we like to do is since we use that, there are still areas throughout the U.S. where you may not be able to find red. So we partner with folks like Amazon and others, because that way, somebody like yourself sees it goes, you know what, this really does meet my needs. I understand what they're doing. And I agree with this. 
but you can't go to your local store because we're not there. Now you can pick us up online. And then, as you said, even those that just decided, you know what, shopping's not for me anymore. I want to do it online because I'm busy or it's fallen off of the list of things to do, so to speak. So we're able to uh, to be available there. And, you know, we've we've been doing that for a couple of years now. So it's a it's a good spot for us to be able to satisfy the needs of our consumers. It wasn't really to satisfy our needs but it was to help the consumer that way they can get it and be available to them. Right. So let's move on from the manufacturing side of things. Okay. And let's mm -hmm. move on to distribution. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's talk distribution. Um, if, if a business owner is looking to introduce a new family recipe or a product through the big boxes, you know, and things like that, um, what is the best way to build their network to reach the people who are going to be those decision makers? That's an excellent question. So the first thing you want to do is before you start to go out to retail, as we were talking earlier, you've done your homework, you've done your diligence, you've got your reason for being, you've got your quote unquote selling story. And so, and then you've got your products themselves, even if they're in specific prototypes. And what you'll want to do is there's one of two ways that you can go to retail. Okay. You can go through what's called a distributor. And these are folks that are, would be the middle middlemen for lack of a better phrase. Uh, and they, you would sell product to them. They would then mark it up. And then they would sell it. So by doing that, if you understand, you either have to sell your products at a lower price point if you're trying to get to a specific SRP, which is suggested retail price, uh, which means the price on the shelf, as we all have seen. Uh, so therefore, you take even less margin. So again, making sure that your P&L works and that you're able to stay right. profitable because profitable companies are healthy companies. I say that all the time. If you're not profitable, you're not healthy. I don't care how good your product is, nobody's going to find it. It doesn't mm -hmm. help for you to sell something at a dollar if it costs you a dollar twenty-five. Right. That's a, a you know the trek to zero. Right. Um, so you can do that with distributors or you can go direct. Now direct is more difficult because there's more hurdles. You know, you can go to a distributor who works with 40 stores, 40 chains across the country. And again, you have to be a partner with that distributor. You have to make sure that you have the, the tools necessary from product information sheets to understanding the promotions associated. Again, a promotion, you walk into a grocery store tomorrow and you'll see, you know, thousand different items on sale. Well, all of that was usually funded by the manufacturer. So you have to take that into consideration. So it's having those pieces. If you go direct, you'd have to go direct to those 40 stores. So that's why, you know, before I, before a person tries to quote unquote, swallow the whole apple, I tell them all the time, it's much simpler to own your backyard. Yeah. You know, start with your town, start with your state, you know, work with your with your local player, whether it be a Whole Foods, whether it be a you know uh, HEB if you're in Texas because they're in the Texas market. So you can work with these folks, and you know, getting them on the phone is very difficult. Right. But if it was easy, <laughs> everybody'd be doing it. So if this truly is your passion, then just get ready to work and work more than yeah. people like to work. You know, it's that old saying. For the first part of your business, you're going to work harder than anybody wants to, but that's so you can enjoy the business for the rest of the time like everybody wants to. 
So it's really according to, again, what is your commitment? What is it you're willing to do? Are you willing to hear no? You know, the average person, rejection is kind of tough for them. You know, for me, sadly, with this this face, I'm used to rejection. It's no big deal for me. So, you know, if I tell people all the time, if you don't like the product, you know, I I understand, you know, okay, we move on. You know, red chocolate, we've got the data that shows that, you know, eight out of 10 people love our products and buy our products every four weeks. 20% for whatever reason, they want that big old sugar, you know, chocolate bar. Okay, then enjoy the sugar chocolate bar. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I understand. I'm one of those. No, when it comes to chocolate, you know, that's the only thing I get a craving for. Yeah. <laughs> chocolate, you know. Well, and if you know, it doesn't we, get satisfied, then you know, I'm out there searching for it. You know, and we appreciate folks like yourself. I mean, yeah. you know, red chocolate, very simply, you know, our whole reason for being was the fact that we're no sugar added. You know, we're a European crafted product. The whole idea is that you don't need the refined sugars because it really hurts the body. And, you know, from a diabetes perspective, from uh, just from your immunity, a whole bunch of different reasons you can read about. And so we decided, you know what, we want to be able to indulge. We want to enjoy. We want the pleasure. We just don't want the guilt that goes along with it. Hence why red chocolate is all pleasure and no guilt. So what is an average profit margin when we're talking about let's let's talk chocolate confections Mm -hmm. right now? What's an average profit margin? per bar or whatever that we should be looking at as manufacturers, not on the distribution side, but just say a net profit margin. I Well, if you go to net, you're looking at single digits. But if you're looking at gross, you want to do what's called keystone at a minimum. And that means if it costs you 50 cents to make, you want to be able to sell it at a dollar. You okay. want to understand what the distributor margins are. So they're usually somewhere between 30 and 50%. And then you have to understand the retail margins. And those are usually somewhere between 30 and 65%, 70%, according to the category and, and the retailer. But uh, you can usually figure if something's costing you 50 cents to make and you sell it for a dollar, by the time it gets to the shelf, it's going to be somewhere around $3. And then you'll sit there and go, well, wait a minute, I'm only going to make 50%, but this retailer is making, you know, 65. How come they get to make more than me? And it happens every day. They've got a lot of risk associated with that, you know, building that they have and the employees and so on and so forth. So we all have that amount of risk. Now, you know, there are some folks out there that are making well in excess of a keystone margin, you know, they're making a couple of hundred percent. But I would tell you, once you start to add in freight, Freight, for instance, right now, because of everything that's happening in the world, we went from about probably about a 7% to about a 12% freight cost. Now, I've got a person, she's been uh, my supply chain person for, God, 15 years now. She's one of the most brilliant women I've ever met in my life. You know, if you ever want to know what the weather's like anywhere in the country, ask her. She'll be able to tell you because she's constantly looking at the seven-day forecast because in chocolate, you know, if it's below 80 degrees, we're fine. If it's above 80, we become fondue. So needless to say, we have to go from, you know, dry shipment to refrigerated shipment and so on and so forth. So, you know, between the freight, between, again, we talked about the advertising, we talked about the promotions, all the different pieces, you know, that eats into your margin quickly, very quickly. And there are some times where you will have a negative ROI, but you have to look at it from a long term. Now, I tell people that, and all of a sudden I see people spending way too much money because it's great to think about the future, 
But again, you have to have a really strong today to have a positive tomorrow. That's part of that staying yeah. healthy. So we do a, a combination, a mixture of what we would call, you know, uh, respectable ROI and then somewhere perhaps, you know, Right. On its on in and of itself, you'd say, why would we do that? But we do it because we we continue to grow our products and we continue to gain household penetration. Yeah. And and the other thing that our audience should keep in mind when you're dealing with a distributor, you're dealing with somebody who already has those relationships in place. You know, which that's exactly right. You sometimes a year, two years to build those relationships. You're going in to an existing network. You know, so That's your exactly. marketing costs are not going to be as much as you would starting from scratch. Well, you know, your marketing costs actually will remain pretty constant because, again, your marketing, what this person does is it kind of uh, the distributor gives you the opportunity to present to retailers who you probably wouldn't get the opportunity because again, not being known, not being tested, uh, and the distributor is taking on you know their reputation, their responsibility. Hence, why you know they're able to get in front of the buyers. The same programs, the same things, and actually, again, if you think about it, it probably will cost you a little more than if you went direct because you've got this middleman cost of doing business you know uh you've got their margins what what i always tell people is the worst thing you could do is go out and hire a bunch of people to sell your product for you because you know you've got to get those partners who you can truly work with so you know don't think of yourself like a 10 million dollar company even when you're a 10 million dollar company don't think of yourself like a 10 million dollar company stay hungry understand what it takes to be able to drive the business because for every dollar you can save and reinvest it into that brand awareness it's going to grow and it's going to grow by you know quite quite quickly and quite quite a large amount right right exactly so um Let's talk more about red chocolate. You know, red, like you said, started out as a European char- chocolate. You are in charge of bringing this into the U.S., right? Right. So I happen to be a, a type 2 diabetic. And uh, so I've always had to watch my my sugar intakes and all. And I actually, you know... I've had the the, the fortune of, of traveling internationally for quite a few years now because of the, the brands that I've launched and the amount of business we do. And uh, we had sold the organization that I was running. Uh, and the, again, not knowing the red, the team that owns the two families that own Red Chocolate, just knew the brand because I bought it in Europe because I loved it and I would bring it home. And I'd have, you know, 24 bars sitting at my house. So that way I knew I was good for a couple of months till I went back out and, you know, went in them. Now, they were in about... 15, 18 countries, roughly, uh, at that point. And uh, so, so, you know, it's amazing how the world works, you know, it's, uh, it it is incredible at times. And uh, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I had no idea. You know, I'd been there and done that. And I really didn't want to do the next quote unquote widget. You know, I I just, I, I, 250,000 miles a year on an airplane, you know, it's just, you know, I was tired and I I actually got a phone call and it was from one of the ownership group, part of the ownership group. And they said, look, you know, we're thinking of coming into the U S and, um, I, uh, 
uh, I'd like to meet with you. Your name's popped up a bunch of times with some people we've spoken to. And I said, nah, I'm happy to meet. I meet with everybody. You know, if I can help you, awesome. I want to yeah. see everybody successful. Why, why, why not? You know, I, I love it. I love when I, I sit back and I see people who, you know, who, who started out with a dream and now they're living the dream. That's pretty freaking cool in my eyes. So I love being able to be a part of that. And so I actually drove up to New York and I met with the two ownership groups. And uh, to be brutally honest, the meeting lasted four hours. I spent the first three and a half hours telling them why they didn't want to come into the U.S. And again, knowing that I love the red chocolate and so on and so forth, but I knew we've got two major behemoths that own 80% of the market and they ain't giving it up. You know what I mean? Their products may be like junk, but the fact is they've been around a hundred years and they do it excellent job of making people think they need their products they're they're very good at marketing very good at marketing and so uh after i was done the person who would become my boss uh she said are you done and i was like yeah yeah i'm done and she said so when do you want to start and i looked at her i said you're either crazy or you know things i don't know either way this could be fun and so i said all right let's do it so even with what we had in place, which was nothing here in the U.S., but we had the infrastructure in Europe, it still took me six months to get, and again, been doing it quite a few years. It still took me six months to put the team in place, to put the infrastructure in place so that we can bring products to the U.S. that were FDA approved, that we could do, that had our reason for being, you know, perfect example, uh, when you go to Europe, everything in Europe is non-GMO. They're not allowed to use yeah. genetically modified organisms. We all know the term non-GMO. And so when I sat down with the team from Europe, I said, look, I got to change the packaging. I want to put our non-GMO certification on it. And they're like, well, why? I'm like, what do you mean, why? Well, everything's non-GMO. I'm like, no, not in the US. There's a whole bunch of GMO products out there. Like, oh, okay. You know, the, the kosher because we're kosher so i said i want to have the kosher insignia like really that's important I'm like yeah that's yeah. important people need to know this and so you know between the non-gmo the fact that we don't use cheap palm oils all these different things they, to them they're like well you know they've been living it for two generations they're like who right. would use palm oil that's disgusting it's like yeah well our big guys do use palm oil so we're going to explain to people we don't yeah, and so behind it sells it Exactly. So, you know, we, we put those pieces together, you know, and then uh, we we actually went to uh, one of our first uh, distributor meetings and uh, somebody that I had known for quite some time and we were at a show and uh, it happened to be uh, Ralph's Supermarket, which happens to be on the West Coast, part of the Kroger chain. And uh, the gentleman came up and we were talking. He's like, yeah, I'm going to bring you in the store. I'm like, oh, fabulous. You know, this, and I thought I did such a great job. And he and I said, uh, so what may hook you? He goes, oh, Glenn. He goes, I'm from Europe. I know red. Red's awesome. I was like, oh, it wasn't me. Okay, fair enough. It wasn't me. So, um, but that was our journey. That was our start. And, you know, for us, we just launched in Kroger nationally uh, in uh, September of 22 uh, because of our partnership with, with Ralph's and how fast we grew and just the great job that he did and, you know, the, the, the acceptance from the consumers. So, you know, now we're in Kroger nationally. And from that, you know, we went into Walmart and just a whole bunch of different things. And it's a, it, it, it feeds itself. And it's really from the, because of the consumers. You know, again, I've got an amazing team at Red. The Red Chocolate brand is incredible. Again, uh, I'm, I'm not a witchy guy, you know? Yeah. And so the fact that we had this, and then when the consumers started taking it, I tell people all the time, I don't have one boss. I've got about 1.2 million bosses, and they live all across the country in the United States because, yeah. believe me, 
I hear from all of them all yeah. the time, which is awesome. So, you know, we talk and then uh, then we partnered with Home Shopping Network, you know, which is, you know, part of the QVC family. And we became the number one chocolate sold for the last two years running. And it's just it's been a, it's been a, a wonderful journey because the acceptance from the American consumer I've only got a chance to do this once before like this in my entire life to see that that badge that people have taken red. And it's just been it's been an awesome feeling that we can positively affect so many people's lives because it affected my life because I am a chocoholic and yeah. I could I can't eat that chocolate. I, I don't want to eat it. I don't even like it anymore. That kind of chocolate with all the sugar and the fact that I could bring red here and that, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I, I'm i in the office and needless to say. I have red chocolate literally everywhere. Within 10 feet of me, I've got like 15 different choices yeah. of chocolate that I want yeah. to do. And I can eat it all because, you yeah. know, A, it's awesome, and B, but the no sugar added. So, <laughs> so it's, been a, it's been an amazing journey. So talking about the brand red chocolate, talk about where the brand red chocolate came from. So red actually came from 17th century literature. And red was was a term we used when we turned uh, when we turned Eastern European literature from their from their native language into the English language. You know, if you think about red, red is connotated with uh, passion and love. You know, you think about uh, Valentine's Day. Well, that's not Hallmark didn't decide we're going to use red. That's from 17th century European literature. So the term red is passion. And we want, we're passionate about our products. We hold 11 global patents. You know, we're passionate about what we do. And we want our red family, the whether it be American consumers, European consumers, we want them as passionate about us as we are. And we know that's important because if you think about, you know, you'll go out, you'll buy a car, you'll buy a jacket, whatever. But when you buy food, there's really nothing more personal than what you're putting in your body. Yeah. And so we want people to know we appreciate it. So red stands for passion, stands for love, stands for, you know, just the best. And so that's how we came up with the name red. The products themselves, again, were owned by two families, both master chocolate makers. And they spent three years in their kitchens crafting thousands of recipes to design and craft what they wanted. And it's all the way down to the look of the product. You know, yeah. so two of the patents we own are based on the equipment that we had designed specifically for our products. And you know, the, what's wonderful about the families is it's not, a, and this is why I could say I'm not transactional because I've had those jobs where it was all about the numbers and all about the Benjamin, so to speak. And with, with the families that own us, it's not about that. It's about, okay, how are we doing better? What do we need to do better? I mean, we're BRC Global Certified, you know, which is the highest honor you could get. You walk into our facilities, it's like walking into, you know, a NASA clean room. It's incredible. It's all I love taking our retail partners there because they're just blown away from what they see from a manufacturing side. And, you know, then, you know, the fact that we're, you know, we took it upon ourselves. It wasn't the quote unquote, as I do my air quotes, cool thing or in thing to do. You know, we're at 70% already recuperation methods. Our goal is to be zero carbon neutral uh, by 2026. And it's not, 
you know, it's what we want to do. We're not doing it to just follow somebody else. You know, you read all this stuff about all the different things people are trying to do, and you could read right through it and see it's just some some somebody trying to get away with something or some ad agency said, hey, this is the thing, do it. Yeah, we're not doing that. And and as long as I'm leading the organization, everything we do will be true and honest to ourselves. And and we hope that, uh, you know, our, our consumers, our partners, our families look and go, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, I'll tell you a quick story because I'm. This is probably one of those proud moments that that, that I like to talk about. So we uh, once a quarter will pick uh, we'll pick a charity that we work with, and what we do is with that charity, people that come on our our site, they can uh, they can give money if they want donate uh, and we match all donations, uh, and we do it for a certain length of time, and then we also donate ourselves. And so we work with an outside partner who handles it all for us because there's a lot of le legality to it. So they handle it. They get the checks to the right people, all that stuff. We don't have to worry about it. And so, you know, it's funny. We were sitting down in one of our first meetings and we were talking. And again, I, I had no idea. I'd never done this before. Didn't understand the numbers. So it was learning for me. And uh, we sat down and I said, look, how did we do? You know, I, I, you know, it was it, it wasn't like we did $10 million. Please, we're a small company, but it was respectable, respectable amount. And uh, they said, oh, you did fabulous. I said, well, why do you say that? And uh, the young lady I was telling, she goes, Glenn, let me explain to you so you understand what we are seeing. I said, yeah, please do tell me. She said, when we do programs like this, and there's a lot of people that do programs, she goes, we'll see between two and three percent of the people that go to the site will give money towards it. And so, you know, that's usually in the industry is pretty right now. I was like, okay. She goes, you, you're 41 percent. I said, really, what does that mean? She goes, it means people believe what you're saying. Yeah, People agree with you. And so the fact that you get those type of head nods to say, yeah, okay, yeah, we get it, Red. Yeah, we're in with you on this journey. That's an awesome, awesome feeling. And I think it goes to, you know, the team that we have here and the brand and just the way the consumers have said, yeah, okay, come into my life. You know, you, I'll, I'll let you in. And that's been an amazing journey. So what is the goal for red in the US? Will you be manufacturing here as well or will you be shipping in? We we will always ship in. We are a European crafted. So I don't see us coming here to the US. Uh, again, I would never say never cuz I don't know what the future is, but I would tell you for what we know today, there are no plans to bring it here to the U.S. Uh, because we're a European crafted product and it's very strict. We have containers that come in about every three weeks. So we're always rotating out our products. Uh, so we have no issues. Even during the issues we had over the last couple of years, again, my supply chain person who's brilliant, we haven't had a container delayed. You know, and it's funny, you know, we had a lot of meetings about that, a lot of fear, a lot of concern, but we found ways to be able to continue the product flow, to continue it uh, and be able to still be profitable without having to raise our prices 27 times, like all of our, all of right. our competition did for competition, lack of a better phrase. I don't see them as competition, but um, so, you know, for us here in the U.S., our ultimate goal is just to continue to be able to grow properly. And okay. what I mean by that is we're not looking to be, you know, a, a $500 million brand. Yeah, we're going to get there. We, we know we will, because as long as we continue in the journey we are, we never expected to be as large as we are within the three years we've been here. So right there, that's a blessing. And so we're not going to say, okay, we've done this now. We don't have that conquer mentality. I don't have that conquer mentality. It's a journey. 
you know? And so you're talking yeah. to a fellow here who, you know, I didn't find my passion until I was in my forties. Doesn't mean I didn't work. <laughs> you know, I still did what I did, you know, yeah. but it was part of my journey to be able to prepare myself when I was ready. And so with red, you know, our goal here is just continually deliver on the expectations that the consumers have and what they've what they've decided are their expectations of us. And we do that with every time we send out an order, whether it be on e-commerce, whether it be with the home shopping network, or you buy us on the retail shelves. We want you to open that product and go, yeah, good. I'm glad I bought this product. And that's, so, that's our goal for today in the future. Yeah. So where are you based right now in the U.S.? So right now, our facility, we have a facility based here in Pennsylvania. We're right outside of uh, Philadelphia. Our products come in from the New York port and then come down here. And we're based out of Pennsylvania. And we ship everything out of Pennsylvania uh, across the U.S. So, so we you, have, you, you know. You're, you're, you're being dangerous. You're near Hershey's. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny uh yeah i guess I, I never thought about that but yes we are we're, we're about, probably about an hour and a half away from hershey and you know what uh they uh you know hershey's been around a long time uh it's great to see them come into our category uh because they had uh, they they launched one of their own products and then bought one of our competitors uh so it's good for to for i'm glad they see where this category needs to go, that it's not introducing more and more and more heavy sugared items because the American consumers had enough of that. So it's right. good to see that a big company like that, that's got some really smart people in them, in those, you know, in those offices say, you know what, Glenn's on the right path. We're on the wrong path. Let's start doing a little bit what Glenn's doing. Okay. So it's kind of nice. You got to Got to start listening to those consumers, you mm -hmm. know, what they're looking for and, and things like that. So we're coming up on the end of another podcast here. And Glenn, um, any last tips or anything like that, that you want to give our listeners who might be thinking about stepping there or putting their toe into the food manufacturing or just the manufacturing industry? Yeah. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, what I would uh, look, it's it's not going to be easy. It's definitely going to be difficult. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of days where you're just going to throw your hands up and call it quits. But know that, uh, and I tell people this all the time as entrepreneurs, you know, it's okay to take a knee once in a while. I call it punching through the mud because there are going to be some days that are just going to be so dang difficult. And just know when you when you're when you're on your knee, there's folks like myself that are behind you with our hand on your shoulder saying, "It's okay. We've been there. We know what you're going through. Just if you believe in it, get back up, keep punching through that mud because uh if you believe in it and it's there is a truthful reason for being and you can be a category disruptor, there's there's it's it's a it's an amazing journey. I'll tell that for everybody. Third plus 30 plus years in this in this industry. And I'll tell you what, it's been a whole heck of a lot of fun. Oh, very good. So how can our audience members get a hold of you should they want to or go in and find red chocolate? Absolutely. So the easiest way to find me, because there's a, a page, uh, it's about us at red-chocolate.com. Red-chocolate.com. Dot com. You can go to the About Us page. You'll see me, write to me. You'll see my marketing team, my supply chain team. Uh, you, there's a store finder list. You can punch in your zip code and find it. If there's a store not near you, you can buy us right from that site too. And there's always a great coupon out there uh, for, for our consumers to try us for the first time. So, you know, we, uh, 
we're, we're, we're happy to ship to you. And we want you as part of the Red family. We love having people in. Very good. Very good. So that's all, folks. I hope that you were able to get some insight and uh, on how to uh, break into the retail or the food product or manufacturing industry with your cool ideas here. Uh, this is Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. Charged Up Studio is brought to you each week on Tuesday and is part of the small business ecosystem developed with you, the small business owner, in mind. If you would like to learn more or get more information on our programs offered to small business owners like yourself, reach out to Marketatomy, M-A-R-K-E-T-A-T-O-M-Y.com. Again, once again, go out and have a charged up week. And thank you, Glenn. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. You've been listening to Charged Up Studio Live, the podcast with you, the small business owner in mind, with your host, Dana Olivo. Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insights into many of the topics you don't know you don't know about growing a successful business. Please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to or visit us on the YouTube or Facebook page and leave a review or subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can also support us through Patreon by visiting our website, chargedupstudio.live and click on the Patreon link. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.